right, welcome back to another episode of Game Grooves Uncovered Podcast. I'm your host, Ro Panaganti, and Happy New Year. This is our first episode that we're recording for 2023. A lot of things have changed, a lot of cool things have happened in VGM, and I'm excited to talk uh, and start our year off by talking with uh, another great VGM musician. Uh, Mon Plays Music, or Mon, as many of you know, has been around the scene for quite some time. Uh, many of you might have checked out uh, the Old Blood Bloodborne album that won a Game Audio Network Guild contest award for best album. Uh, you might have seen him playing live at a variety of different VGM shows and live on a bunch of virtual VGM shows. Uh, but today, we're just going to be talking about the exciting new album, Mode 8, that just dropped. So, Mon, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I you've been on my radar for a long time, obviously as a musician, but also as a podcast <laughs> host. So thanks. This is uh and, and yeah, I, I it feels uh it feels super awesome, and I feel privileged to kind of be your your first guest for the year. Thanks. Uh, you know, we're starting on a a real high note, and I'm always excited because like when I started in VGM scene like 2011 or something. Uh, it was kind of a special thing to have uh, non-metal musicians around, and now it's gone through like some circle, and now I feel like it's exciting again to talk to other people who make like rock and metal because we've gotten like so many uh, different kinds of like artists and instruments into the mix. So um, yeah, I'm excited to chat with you about all things metal. But um, firstly, I wanted to talk to you about like how you got in because oh, I feel like I found you randomly and then at MAGFest or something and then just started just stumbling upon all your recording. But when did you exactly like get into VGM and like covering? Yeah, so uh, my – well, I, I guess we have to go back way, way, way back. Um, we'll do a little bit of an origin story <laughs> here if you don't mind. Uh, so – my first exposure to VGM was the mini bosses and that would have been back in that would have been 2003 and that was like the coolest thing I was like oh there's like this little rock band that is doing covers of NES games of when I grew up and right. I never heard anything like it before it's like you know the, the, those are all like beeps and boops and uh, sine waves and triangle waves and of course <laughs> all, all that stuff and then you hear it translated on instruments that you relate to genre wise and you're like oh this is super cool and then but then like my entire world opened up when I heard Metroid Metal like that was oh, that yeah. was yeah. the one um so you know just a quick sidebar like when i first met uh stemage for the first time like only like two th two three years ago i was a total fanboy mm -hmm. and <laughs> me too honestly <laughs> yeah yeah so but but then like uh then then i met eric peabody viking guitar uh at a mm. pax east that would have been like 2016 or something like that maybe 2015 and around that time like i was starting to get interested in recording my own stuff and doing my own covers and he and I had a super, super good conversation and he, 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 um, took out a sticky note and he just started writing on it. He says, go look up these things, go study, <laughs> the, go study these things and right. th that'll get you started. And for that first project, which was a, it was a six track EP called world, uh, world warriors. He, uh, he did all the mixing and the mastering. I was, I, I, I just recorded stuff and, and sent it to him cause I, I didn't know how to mix yet. Sure, but sure. That was that was that was my wow. first release, and I think it was I think it was 2017. Um, I'm pretty sure that's right. I, I have that's I have awesome, a copy though. of I have a copy of the CD over there, but I can't reach it. Otherwise, I could definitely tell you. But I'm pretty sure it was 2017. So that was that was how I got started, and then uh, mm -hmm. I've been, and then obviously I've been releasing. I'd say pretty stuff pretty consistently since then. But I didn't really get into performing until last year, really my my wow, first yeah. my yeah my first performance in front of a an actual audience was at VGM con so wow. uh yeah and then and then like a bunch of other things came up there and i'm sure we'll we'll get into that but there's there's the answer to your question that's that's really interesting and it again like you don't come across as someone who's who's been in this for a short amount of time which all of these words are so relative right cuz like there's some people who are like brand spanking new like this year and then 2017 feels like a million years ago, but it's also, it's still, I guess, recent. Um, but how long have you been playing guitar up until the point you started recording? Because that's a curious yeah, I, point for me. No, yeah, no, that's, a, that's a good place to start, too. I... I learned. I started learning how to play guitar when I was fourteen. So okay. my par my parents used to go to flea markets and buy and sell stuff, 
and they bought an acoustic guitar, which they were intending on reselling at a profit somehow. I don't, I don't know how, but, but they had this thing, they had this <laughs> yeah. thing laying around, and I, I, so I kind of looked at it. I was like, uh, hmm. <laughs> so I picked it up, and I didn't know what I was doing. But then uh, I think my mom like bought me a book, which um, uh, taught me how to learn some very, very basic songs like "House of the mm. Rising Sun," you know. Yeah, yeah. And, but you, you know, you got to start somewhere. And then, of course, my dad wanted me to play "Stairway to Heaven." And, uh, <laughs> okay. I, I had never, I had never heard. You know, it was kind of funny because I had never heard of that song. Really? Uh, oh. At that at, at the time, I had never heard. Of, I knew who Led Zeppelin was, but I'd never heard of "Stairway to Heaven." And, and by you know that that joke in Wayne's World went over my head oh, when yeah. I was a kid. <laughs> Interesting. But but anyway, that was that was how mm. I started. And then then once I picked up an electric guitar, uh, that was when I was like, okay, let's try to learn some of the other stuff that I that I actually listen to and relate to. And luckily the internet was like starting to be, was like a fledgling thing back then. And uh, mm. I'm dating myself a little bit here, but uh, I, at least I can go look up guitar tabs. And um, right, right. so that, that was, that was at least that a good place to start. So that's really cool. But you weren't like, I guess, uh, hearing like music or around musicians growing up or, uh, okay, well, I, I think this is uh, this is where we're gonna do a little bit of a swerve. So sure, sure. <laughs> uh, I uh, it's I was a military brat. I, mm. I grew up overseas for the most part, and uh, at the time I was living in Okinawa, Japan. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I I love that place, and I kind of I considered it home for a very long time. But anyway, mm. so growing up there, um, you didn't have you didn't have cable. You just had one one channel. Okay. Uh, and you didn't really have a lot of choices, obviously. So then, my my dad went on a trip to Guam, and in Guam, mm-hmm. they, if you stay if you stayed in a hotel, they had cable. Ah. And so so the show comes on called Beavis and Butthead. Oh and, boy! <laughs> oh my god! And he he starts watching it, and he loves it, and he and then he records it, and he brings the tapes home. And this was back, you know, during VHS the VHS yeah. days. And I start watching it, and I'm, you know, it's probably kind of questionable that uh, my dad exposed me to this show. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a little. Uh, Because of all the humor in it. But then, uh, then, but it just exposed me to, like, Seattle grunge and thrash metal, Mm. uh, especially, like, Pantera, Megadeth, Metallica. Yeah. Yeah, like, that was the stuff that, like, where... I really started to. I felt like I listened to something that I could really relate to, and and then then eventually I wanted to learn how to play. I could I could definitely see that. Um, and un I guess not exactly like the same background, but when I was around like ten to thirteen, I lived in Tokyo for three years. Not not uh, military work. My dad just had work in general. But mm-hmm. likewise, uh, I noticed that like those formative years when you're first playing guitar or even wanting to learn how to play guitar. That's like when those artists like really rub off. And for me, um, I started with classic rock, but immediately I played Guitar Hero and I was like, who's this Iron Maiden band like Metallica? Because nobody in my family like played music that much or listened to metal. It was like just weird offshoot. So it's kind of cool that that kind of wedged in. And, um, you know, from there, did you uh, just pretty much keep doing like metal things until the game music came along but no recording because you know you record like you've been recording 10 plus 15 plus years <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i pretty much stuck to that i you know of course like i occasionally pick up the acoustic and mm-hmm. yeah i am I'm, I'm i'm self-taught i'm not classically trained i can't read sure. sheet music um but it's yeah that's pretty I much what the i the hell out of that yeah <laughs> i also re- i can but i can't i won't <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm kind of I'm a little stubborn in that regard, but sure. but anyway, um, yeah, I pretty much stuck to that. I you know I definitely got exposed to other genres and things like that. And sometimes, like if you listen to my stuff, you'll hear some of something might crop up every now. I have a song that has like a country breakdown in it, believe it or not. Uh, and That's I don't even like country music. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, if it's wacky yeah. enough. It's fun. It, it it's yeah. from Wild Arms, you know. Oh, I think, sure, sure, sure. Kind of so I think I think that. it kind of, it kind of fit, yeah. And it, and a, a buddy of mine who played drums on that track, he it was kind of his idea to do something a little uh, a little out there. I was like, okay, we're gonna do this, and it, it turned into kind of like it's Johnny Cash kind of thing. Sure. Uh, so at, le- at least you know rhythm wise, and you know no vocals or anything, but um, yeah, I mean that's that's where my roots are. It, it's rock metal and Seattle grunge, like that's uh, and then of course you know I, I definitely get into the different subgenres, um, like mm-hmm. Opeth. 
Opeth is one of my favorite bands. Uh, they oh, still they cool. still are to this day. Uh, I really love like the grindy, uh, you know, genty stuff like the mm-hmm. Sugar and Gojira. Yeah, so it it, um, it, it definitely you know kind of spiders out a little bit from from the the metal umbrella. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's that's pretty much where uh, where I live. That's awesome. I I think like again like one of the best parts about metal for me has been like seeing how openly like the the genre blending and umbrella really like gets uh you know there's people who today of course progressive metal is my favorite uh Mm -hmm. which is just a cop out to say like you love all kinds of styles but you still want to sound cool (laughs) so you just call it prog and whenever you branch out it's fine but um you know like going through your music i feel like i can tell that there's not one area that like influenced everything but it's working really well under the hat of, you know, uh, of metal and kind of like game music that's written for, you know, the games that you covered, like with Bloodborne. That music has this like evil gothic, sometimes like slower brooding nature to it. And I feel like that's how I describe a lot of like my favorite metal. And, you know, I would describe a lot of like stuff that I've heard from, you know, Opeth or, you know, these modern kind of metal bands the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's interesting you bring that up. You know, if I think about, if I think about it a little bit, like what, what were kind of my influences that went into that Bloodborne album? Um, Definitely, definitely Opeth. There's some mm-hmm. Gojira stuff in there. It definitely gets kind of dark and broody, like typo negative. Like there's there's one song in there where mm-hmm. it's like it's almost like deadpan, like you know three four swing typo negative type stuff. Like you could just drop mm-hmm. like Peter Steele vocals right into that track and it would fit. <laughs> <laughs> I kind, um, I almost kind of wish that we could get a like get away with that kind of stuff just because that's another element of like rock and metal that's that's not always in uh, game music that we get to cover. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, you know, you brought up Prague, and that's. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to make sure I brought this up before we, uh, before mm-hmm. we forget. But my, my, I mean, my first exposure to progressive metal uh, would would have been Dream Theater, and that's probably Ooh. maybe maybe true for quite a few folks. But the yeah, first uh, the first album of theirs I ever heard was uh, Scenes from a Memory, and <sighs> I remember when I when I heard it, like I was I I, di- I didn't care for it in the beginning. Beginning, but then after mm. like the second or third listen, and then when I realized it was a concept album and there was a story, I was like really getting into it. And to this day, it's one of my favorite records. I I absolutely love it. Oh yeah, big time. I think, uh, and maybe that's like part of why I I also stick around with like game music often, or even musicals, is like the the idea of motif, be it like a melody or just yes. like a set of instruments and like a certain like approach or the story thing. It's it's really really cool and. To see that kind of played out in game music more and more has been really exciting. But at the same time, there's a lot of just like albums that are just hit after hit or just, you know, you know, uh, with the age of singles where people are more listening to songs in a playlist, um, Mm -hmm. you know, everything kind of doesn't have to play into like a grand story. But uh, all is that to say and to segue, I wanted to talk, of course, about your latest release. And kind of dig into, you know, with all of your experiences up to this point, what what kind of uh, got you wanting to make a Super Nintendo album? <laughs> to- it's it's my it's my favorite console of all mm-hmm. time, and you know, I, I was trying to actually, I was kind of teetering between that and the NES, but uh, but this I one's easier <laughs> at the very yeah. least. But yeah, um, yeah, I. I Ironically, like all the tracks that I picked may have not necessarily been from my favorite games from the SNES. Uh, mm. They're up there, of course, but um, like, uh, okay, yeah, you know, full disclosure, there's an Earthbound track on there. I've never played Earthbound. I'm going to forgive <laughs> you this one time. Okay. <laughs> Plus, honestly, it is, like, it's, it's you on picked, my backlog. You picked a, a song of like, you know, the entire game that I think makes sense, like for many reasons. It's it's kind of a pseudo metal song already. Pokemon's business. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, I mean, it really came down to, you know, what's my favorite console? What's, what's my love letter to my favorite console? So that's, mm. that's how I settled on, 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 uh, the name and, uh, the, the general vision of it. And it, you know, the, the Bloodborne album was a, was a concept album. This one is not, but I like to f- 
think that it follows an arc or a few different arcs of some sort. Like, you know, it opens up with uh, in some introduction music and mm. uh, and it, it's almost like you're you feel it's like you're, you're you're being uplifted for the first two tracks. Like you're going on this journey into the, the sky and to space and, and then you descend into hell. <laughs> of course <laughs> uh and then and then you know that that's when you end that's the castlevania song and then then you're then you're swimming uh that's that's aquatic ambience and then right. then it kind of just goes into different directions and then boom dancing mad it hits you in the face and then God. and then it ends and then it ends with, and then it ends with a staff roll song like it's like mm-hmm. yeah we did it we shot kefka out of uh, out of the air with a missile or something uh so that's that's the uh <laughs> that's like kind of the flow of it and it's cool also because like um and this is a discussion you'll have a million times i'll have a million times it's like when you when you make these video game cover albums uh you pick one game or one series and often like you kind of have the roadmap already there because the you know the game has an opening song a middle song boss theme credits whatever and here you're you're mixing between so many different classics uh it is cool to hear that like you still considered um the flow of the album and like song choice, um, you know, as part of it, you know, even though it's a compilation album and you very well could have just picked like, here's all my favorite, you know, Super Nintendo songs and like 10 in a row and they could all be battle music or, or something that doesn't necessarily play into a track order. Yeah. And, and then of course the, the, the number eight is mis, mis, misused or overused. Uh, there's eight tracks. Right, right. If you want to go, if you want to go, if you want to go buy it on Bandcamp now, it's eight dollars. That's that's <laughs> the symmetry of it all. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, um, if if it wasn't already obvious, it's like it's a play on Mode Seven, which is a you know the super cool graphical. At least at the time, mm-hmm. I thought it was the coolest graphical thing that you could possibly see on a home. Console. No, I actually wanted to make sure we talk about that in podcast because I I had only seen the phrase around. I I wasn't like super familiar, <laughs> so I wanted to make sure yeah. we talk about that. Uh, so mode seven was like for seven different like what layers of graphics that could be displayed for the Super Nintendo. If I have that, yeah, right. I, I'm going to get some of the technicals details wrong. So I'm sure when some when people Sorry. eventually listen to this, they're going to kick my chair. But uh, if I remember correctly, the Super Nintendo has seven graphical modes, and mode seven is allows for like rotation and scaling of sprites so that's how uh. so that's how like you know you're like f-zero is basically to f-zero and pilot wings are basically a tech demo of mode seven in my opinion um but but then that extends to so many different games like the, that that in the barrel room that's in uh castlevania uh super okay. castlevania, castlevania 4 uses mode 7 and that was also the inspiration for the the album art uh um, right when right. you're when you're when you're flying your airship around in uh, final fantasy 6 you know same deal so it's yeah. a lot a lot of good memories and nostalgia come up uh, just from that kind of stuff for me that's really cool and that means uh next album you could make nintendo 65 or <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you ever had like the the bad rumors on the bus kind of thing of of new games and some kids like oh yeah my uncle has a Nintendo sixty four and a sixty five I was like what is this what is this product <laughs> it's never been on yep. TV before yeah see see now now you're like planning ideas in my head oh yeah uh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah okay like for example let's do let's do a, a Nintendo sixty five album and I'll, I'll get the kid from the Nintendo sixty four video the one that opens yeah. up the Nintendo sixty four on Christmas morning I'm sure he's like thirty years just old just sample now, his but... voice for the beginning and then <laughs> or break. or I'll just track him down and be like hey I'm uh, making this album you want you want to like you know do some sound samples and stuff so just, just scream Nintendo Nintendo sixty four into a microphone <laughs> I I part of me hopes that you wouldn't be the first to do that it's just like every week there's someone calling me wanting but no it's it's clever and uh i started on the super nintendo uh growing up so but i didn't get to play like half of the games that people talk about now i played mario world donkey kong country and f-zero and like a handful so like getting to see how much uh how many different kinds of games were available for this console is insane i think it is definitely up there for some of my favorites. And, I mean, you chose a good amount of hits that, like, you know, my parents might remember the games for. And then, of course, you have, like, a few that um, that I definitely still don't know if I've, like, played or seen, like, uh, UN Squadron. Um, is that, like, more of a game that you grew up with that you had to include kind of thing? Or Definitely, yeah. U- UN Squadron is a, is a game where uh it, it's a side-scrolling shooter essentially okay i i wouldn't put it in my top 20 of snes games but i'd say it's in the top 50 somewhere but the soundtrack is amazing 
Uh, mm. So obviously that went into consideration when when I started working on this. Uh, it would it'd be cool to do like an entire uh, UN Squadron album, but then right. <laughs> um, li- licensing that is very tough. I've I've had some challenges with that. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really rough because the Super Nintendo seems to be in this perfect like half and half spot. As as I'm sure you've been spending a lot of time on, like there's a mm. bunch of games that somehow did have a CD release, which. Uh, our listeners by now might know that we need an American CD uh, to officiate, um, you know, paying the composer. So a yep. lot of stuff, just great ideas can't be released for the masses that way. Um, but, you know, you have stuff like uh, Castlevania and Donkey Kong Country. We've, we've gotten around a lot of those. Um, and, of course, Final Fantasy VI and um, all of those games are on Spotify now, uh, Final Fantasy, which is really yeah. great. I think... It's one of the best things that happened in the last few years for uh, game music. It's just a lot of that stuff getting put back. Um, yeah, definitely. One, one cheeky question that I guess a lot of people talk about is, do you have to have played the game to cover it? And obviously, like, you have a song here that you didn't play the game that it's from. So how do you feel, like, arranging stuff that you haven't played the game? Like, does that bother you or is it? you know, totally fine. And you're more objective because of not playing the game. It bothers me a little bit. Uh, this is okay. a good question. Um, <laughs> yeah, let, let's, let's dig into this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thinking about this, um, it doesn't necessarily box you out completely. So for example, like, like when I listened to pokey means business, like the actual track from, from earthbound itself, I was like, Oh, this, this should translate into a metal song. Like, right. Right. You know, do I, do I, do I need to have really played the game? Probably not. But then there's definitely been some times where, um, like, you know, if you take bloodborne, I've probably mm-hmm. played through that more times than I, I can't even count how many times I played through it. Like wow. a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. so I, I know, I know all the music. I think about all of the times where you were immersed. In, I mean, almost all the music in that, uh, in that game is from boss fights, but then you think right. about like, you know, what, what was I feeling at the time when I was immersed in that situation? Like when you're fighting the cleric beast, for example, you're, mm-hmm. you're on a bridge, like it's, and you have nowhere to go. Like you can't, you can't leave the boss arena. You can't really, you know, you can't, I mean, you can't run left or right in any, or, or you know, you're, you're set by boundaries in every boss arena, no matter what, but it's different when you're on a bridge. Cause it's almost like, well, you know, if you actually could jump over, <laughs> if you could go anywhere, you just jump over the side and die. Of um, course. So it may, it may, the, the, envir- the environment makes that, um, makes that situation much more imposing and unsettling. So then like, that's the kind of feeling that you would take with you when you actually artistically approach something like making a cover or if you're drawing mm-hmm. art like there's bloodborne art all over the place especially on twitter uh, yeah there's like there's like a whole there's like a whole sub twitter of uh of just bloodborne art which is all very well done with a lot of talent um so i in i would like to think that i i would like to have played the game if if i'm going to do a cover mm. of some sort um I, i've had some people Asked me about doing Hades covers, and I was like, I've never played it, guys. But which I'm Ooh. correcting. I'm 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 playing it right now. Actually, I hope you're enjoying I'm, it because it's a game I I, I was, am loving it. It's one of my favorite games now, <laughs> and I, I would imagine yeah. you'd have a, a time with the music. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, well, I mean, I'm sure we're going to get to this, but obviously, you know, mm. uh, G- Gunderslam has a has a really really awesome cover of um, oh, yeah. uh the painful way and yes. it, that was super fun to play live and just the audience's reaction to it but then you but i i had never heard that song until i heard i, I heard his cover first right. and then i learned how to play rhythm guitar for it and now i'm actually playing the game with now you actually have all the context of where that song is being played right and right it's it's super it, i mean it's it's genius uh where how it's it's almost like as you're getting getting to that first boss fight where um, you start hearing the song and like you're hearing the melody and the motifs. It's like starting to build a little bit. And then when you actually get to the boss fight, it turns into like this, this, like this metal that just punches you in the chest. And the, the way uh, the game actually executes that um, from, from a musical standpoint is, is awesome. And yeah, I, I, I am, I'm addicted to Hades. There's, there's been times mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going on this run and okay, I'm dead. It's like, all right, I'm going to go do my <laughs> upgrades. It's like, all right, I'm done. I'm done. It's like, uh, uh, no, one more run. And then you go on one more run, you die. And you're like, all right. And then, okay, I really got to quit. No, no, one yeah. more. One more. <laughs> <laughs> it's civilization, but quicker, maybe like to run through. So you feel the achievement. Both Allison mm-hmm. and I had like weeks where that's all we would do. We would like eat dinner, pull out switches, play through like six different runs, two different files, and then just be like, oh, what'd you get? Oh, cool boon. 
It was, it was, it was crazy how addictive that game is. But to your point, like contextualizing VGM for better or worse does have like this really cool effect that without it, I guess it, it can be really hard to get some of it. And I, I don't know if that's the writing or, you know what it is. Cause you know, there's no context to, you know, when we listen to metal albums and stuff besides they wrote this song and it sounds good. Um, and you know, when I try to convince someone to take a listen to, uh, someone's covers or mine or something, you know, if they haven't played the game, does that automatically mean like they won't like it? You know, it's, it becomes this weird philosophical challenge because you still want people to enjoy the music for the music's sake. But, um, it's cool. Cause to your point, like obviously a lot of the songs on mode eight, especially are ones that are that you've touched. Right. So you have in your mm -hmm. mind what it's like to be swimming underwater during this or playing during like this crazy boss fight or flying around or, you know, and, um, yeah, it's just very interesting. So, like, how would you feel if someone were to, like, you know, say, cover this song and you heard the song but you hadn't played the game? Like, is that a no-go uh, No, uh, actually, I can, I can, uh, it's, it's definitely not a no-go, but uh, mm. I'll kind of tell this quick story. Um, uh, so, so Rocky, who played drums in the Gunder Band at, mm -hmm. at MAGFest, he, he and I became friends at MAGFest, like, mm. five or six years ago, and... Uh, I mean, we became friends like pretty much right away. And he, I, I'm, I'm going to be a little vague here uh, sure. and, uh, on purpose, but he, he said like, Hey, you know, be really cool. Like if we did music from this game and I was like, Oh, oh what? And, you know, and we're talking about the game and I was like, I've never played it. So, um, so then, then I, after Magfest was over that year, I played the game and this was not a short game. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not giving it, a, I'm not giving, I'm telling you what it is. Sure. 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 <laughs> basically I played through the entire game. I got immersed in it. Um, it. I understood the story, and I loved the story. I loved the music. And then I told him, I was like, "Hey, we should we should work on this. Let's let's do like a whole album." He was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So then I, I arranged a bunch of demos, and and then the project just kind of fell by the wayside. So like mm -hmm. all those demos still exist. Um, sure, they're they're there to be picked back up. And I, I mean, this was years ago, so I would I would definitely rework a lot of them. But mm -hmm, sure. Um, but like that was a situation where it's like, hey, like we should work on this together. And I said, I haven't played the game. I'm, well, I'm going to go play it. So I go play it. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, now, now I'm not always going to have that luxury. So it is definitely not a, a, a no a no go um, if I haven't played it. Um, I would I would make an effort to at least do some research and have an understanding of what's going on. Maybe watch some YouTube videos. Um, but ideally, like I would like to have, you know, a controller in my hand or I, I'm, you know, I've got the mouse and keyboard. I'm actually immersed in what's happening. Like, I feel that's the real, mm. that's the real bridge to kind of what is happening. I mean, this is going to, this is going to sound kind of touchy feely, but, mm. um, like what is, what is happening like with your emotions and how you actually connect it to your artistic direction? No, I, I, I actually think that resonates better than anything. Um, and I mean like that's, that's games, right? You know, they make you feel excited or sad or something and music's no different but that's really cool i i feel like you might be more open-minded about <laughs> trying new uh game music or games in general um then i mean even in my mind if someone's like hey cover this super obscure game that won't get you know too many lessons or you may not have heard it or might be in a style i don't like i feel very <laughs> dismissive about it um but it, I feel like it's also a healthy muscle to work on. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, another way to look at it is what, what's, you know, depending on who, who's running it, um, you mm. know, what, what's their, what's their level of energy and passion into what they, what they want to do. Right. Yeah. Um, that, that, that wild arms cover I mentioned, um, that was Rocky's idea. He was like, Hey, we should work on this wild arms track. And mm. I, I was like, I've never even heard of this game. Oh, sure, so, sure, sure. So I, I go listen to the music and it it's from it's from the opening cutscene or or the uh the introduction actually um before we even get to the title screen. And I was like, this is a good song. Like I can I can work with this. Um and he he was like super energetic about doing it. And like that passion just kind of transferred to me in, in some way. And that yeah. was really and that that's what like really got me going into doing that particular arrangement. And he of course he was more than glad to to pick up the drums and, and uh, right, just, right. Just, just start smashing. No, I love that. I think, I think if there's anything I've learned in the length of time I've been in VGM community, it's like, there's a lot of people who will talk great ideas, which is great. But the few people who are so engaged that they start working on it or like they really come up with things like they will 
attract everybody to that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's infectious. And on that, another segue there, like I wanted to talk about specifically with Mode, you had a lot of collaboration and especially with something like Dancing Mad, I'm curious how you went about like getting parts together or thinking of uh, the right person for, for each thing and kind of how that experience went because, you know, in, in your quote unquote short stint <laughs> of doing this, like it, it seems like a huge jump to have a lot of people on a single track. Um, and obviously like video is really exciting and like the song sounds really diversified with other players. Yeah. Uh, so where, where that started, uh, in, in a, in some way is when, when Alan wrote a review, uh, on game grooves for my Bloodborne album, one of the things he mm. said in there was, uh, I, w- I would encourage, I would encourage Mon to collaborate more. And I, I had a few ah, collaborators on the Bloodborne album. Sure, sure. So I was like, I was like, okay, Alan challenge accepted. <laughs> so that then uh then then i that i think the very next project i worked on actually after the bloodborne album came out was the dancing mad track that was the first track i I did for mode eight mm. and you know that was that was first it was like you kind of had to look at the bench a little bit it's like who have i who have i worked with in some way shape or form that right you know, number one would be passionate about working on something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, number two is 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 down for the slog that that song is. Oh yeah, and and uh, and then I was like, okay, yeah, I definitely got some people there. And then there were some people I hadn't worked with, but I know who would really connect with the source. Like Lauren the flute, for example. She's like a she's oh my a god, Final yeah. Fan- she's a Final Fantasy VI mega fan. I was like, yes, <laughs> you you would be a good fit for this. And. And then, and then, and that was pretty much what it was. It was just like, okay, you know, it was, I spent like probably a week or two just trying to figure out like who's, who's going to be on this. Right. You have a lot of instruments from the original, I guess, to cover or arrange to your style. Um, yeah. Choirs. Yeah. It's an orchestral song. It's a seventies prog rock romp tribute, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, and then, then you get to all the tactical stuff where it's like, all right, well, I've got myself and, you know, 10 or 11 other people how do I get everybody on the same page? Mm. <laughs> uh, so I, I go through, I, I do the arrangements and it was, what it really was, was like r- settling in very early on what the arrangement was going to be and getting things right in Reaper so that like if mm-hmm. if one of the collaborators was a Reaper user, I could just send them a project and say, right, hey, here's, right. the, here's the entire song so you have context, but I only need you to record in, within these two markers. Uh, yeah. And, so so that that actually works really well and even for the non-reaper users it, it was it was kind of similar um it it the thing that really stretched me creatively and i i needed like multiple pairs of ears was the the completely acapella choir part like uh, i had yeah, never yeah. i had never arranged anything like that before and you know there's a lot of layering going on there because um, yes. it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a full choir it's it's really just six people but if you layer enough and do some tricks and um, and you, and especially if you find the right people, like, oh yeah, people uh, who can like, do layers. Um, yeah. Like, you know, like Chris Doty has like ve- a very good deep low end voice. I was like, all right, you know, we'll put him into, in, you know, into the bass or the baritone. And then we had Tara kind of doing the soprano stuff. Um, I, I think that's, that wasn't, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I, I'm going to harp on this point yet again, which is like finding the right people, you know? Oh and, yeah. Tara is a huge final fantasy fan and has done, uh, one winged angel collabs multiple times yep. and all like you have people on this, you know, roster who are all up in this. And Ian Martin's also another big final fantasy fan vocalist. He- oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he was very quick to jump. I, I think everybody I talked to was very quick to jump on this. And I was like, um, it's like, do you, do you guys know what you're getting into? Here? <laughs> uh, but, but I think just being, being organized and keeping things moving and you know, that, especially when you're working with that many people, it's like, you know, pe- people are, are busy. They, they have many, many things that they're juggling, um, whether it's other projects or just real life stuff. So, uh, as long as you just kind of share with everybody what your incremental progress is, whether it's from you or from like other people who are doing things, then, then it, it kind of shows them. It's like, Hey, like this, this is a real thing. It, it's, it's a living, breathing thing. It's moving. And, and then everybody just kind of stays on that, on the, tr- the phantom train, you know, we'll, we'll use, <laughs> we'll do a final fantasy sure. <laughs> there. So everybody just kind of stays on that train. And then, uh, and then before you know it, like you're done. And yeah, but that, that took a long time. That, that mm. one track on its own took four months. That's, I mean, 
I think people should be more excited about projects taking longer. <laughs> In my opinion, yeah, at least. I, yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's that whole mentality, especially like if you, if you're putting videos on YouTube, it's like you know, put something out once a week. It's, uh, I, I, I'd never subscribe to that, pun intended, pun non intended, whatever. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's just like you know, take take your time, think it out, mm -hmm. you know, put 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 if you're gonna put your stamp on something, like be sure that it's it's something that you feel like you put all your creative energy into, and you're not fighting the clock. That's a really good point, and it's one that I think. If someone hears you say that, maybe it'll uh, help push that point. But early in the YouTube years, like doing a weekly video, when the standard of like home recording was that much further, like simpler, I, I feel like it was more novel and exciting. But with like yeah. so many people out there doing something in a week purely because you want to do it in a week may not result in the kind of novel, exciting content that. I don't know, audiences like and artists are proud of. So I, I love that you took four months on this. And God, like every time I watch someone do a dancing mad cover, I, I'm just like, okay, this is, <laughs> this is so good. I want to cover this. But it's, it, it's, it's both daunting and encouraging at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, I've actually... Yeah, the... Mm, I, uh, uh, I, I, I cut you off. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, finish your thought. Uh, when I worked with Pixel Mixers, uh, the community, I... I ended up mixing someone's Dancing Mad, uh, and it was, I guess, you know, the, the full-length song, 13 minutes or so in the original yep. or something, and it had Lauren, uh, the flute, also on there, and, like, a variety of people, and I remember going through the runs, but I knew nothing about this song when they told me. <laughs> they didn't tell me uh. it's this Final Fantasy VI, like, mega song. They were just like, yeah, bro, this is a rock song. You seem to like asking to mix stuff, so how about this? And I remember going through the whole runs and I was like, this is just Emerson Lake Palmer <laughs> and, and, and then like a huge choir, but it's, it's an incredible project like in itself. So to include it on your album feels like you've definitively covered like the hardest song. Two of them. Pokey means business is also kind of elaborate, <laughs> but like, two well, mm. yeah, well, one, one quick thing about that was uh, having, having masochist Angel Hernandez play drums on that made that a lot easier <laughs> oh my gosh yeah having he is a rock and drummer man actually i'm curious uh so how is working with the drummers in terms of like getting um you know were, were you given like live recordings raw or like were they kind of cleaned up because mixing live drums is such a unique thing for us um you know like home guitar players you know where we have all these samplers and then all of a sudden you're mm -hmm. uh how was that yeah, I, I think my my the first time I worked with live drums was when uh, uh, when Rocky and I uh, worked together on on two songs for my Spears and Hammers album. So that we did a Kirby track and then we did Wild Arms, and I definitely needed Eric's help there, <laughs> right? Um, it, because yeah, I mean, as you're as you uh, kind of insinuated, is that it's it's easier to work with drum libraries and you don't have to worry about mic bleed and you know all all that kind of stuff. Um, so. Over time, though, uh, as long as you've got somebody who who knows who knows their instrument, and that, that's true for anything, but drums especially, um, they know their instrument. Especially, you know, if you're playing metal, like you gotta you gotta play hard. Um, you have rim shots on the snare and all that kind of stuff. Right, right. Um, I, I much rather prefer to work with a live drummer, and you know, mm. these days, like because um, drum libraries are just so good. Um, it's, it could be almost indistinguishable that all that stuff was either pre-programmed or it was recorded by a live drummer at a certain point in time. But, uh, at the end of the day, it, you know, it's not an actual drummer that's playing to the song that you want, you know, in, in that context. And I, and I think mm. that's, what's missing. It's like, that's why I prefer, one of the reasons why I prefer working with live drummers is like, Hey, here is the actual song that I'm doing. And, uh, and then you play according to that. So then, it, like, it, one one other example is, uh, oh, well, I guess I'll bring this up. You and I were on a compilation together last year, the Blood Curse Castlevania 3 tribute. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, yeah, I worked with with Angel on that one, and I, I just, I... I programmed all the drums and I said, Hey, this is what I'm trying to do. And like, mm. focus on these specific things. But at, at the same time, I don't want you to play this exactly. Like I want you to like put your own flavor in there. And the first time he sent me tracks back, like they were very well performed, but like he was going like really hard, like, ah, sure, uh, sure, like sure. some double kick runs, like Tom rolls all over the place. I was like, it's like, dude, like this is awesome. 
but you got to slow down a little bit <laughs> because like, you know, in the context of the song, it's like, you kind of want to, you, you want to do a slower build. And then, 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 then the second time he's like, okay, I got it. And then, then he sent me the app, some of the most killer, one of the most killer drum performances I've ever gotten oh my from God, somebody. It's, and, it's and, and then that's, and then that's what, that's what it went into the final track. No, I like that a lot. Honestly, um, you know, with live drummers, you always have like this magic, even though it's, it's super hard to record, or at least to me, I find the miking and like treatment so intimidating, but it's, it's pretty rewarding that you had a human, you know, player for so much of that. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Luckily, luckily he's, uh, that's another reason why it's easy to work with him because he has a setup where it's, you know, mm. he's got everything already mic'd up in a studio. Um, you know, other drummers um, that I've worked with, they they may have to like pick up their drums and go somewhere else and um, and get it all mic'd up. And I, I don't envy them whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it's a process, but that is their craft. And, um, you know, the people who have it just, you know, they sound amazing on albums. Um, stepping away from the recording, I do have to talk to you about live because. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, I feel like I discovered you through live, which doesn't happen a lot in the VGM community, but I saw you've performed with, you know, a variety, sometimes solo, you've played with local, um, and of course at MAGFest this year, um, we got to do this whole jam space self-made show, the Chug Space Emissary, where, uh, you played guitars with Gunderslam, um, and, you know, I guess to start, how do you feel about like playing VGM live as opposed to like studio and recordings? Uh, I've only been doing it for a year, but I can't get enough of it. Like mm. I, I can't, I can't possibly get, get enough. Like I always want, I just want more right now, you know? Uh, right. It, yeah. Like I said, you know, VGM Con was my the first time I performed it from an audience, and it, it was just me and Rocky really. Like it, it, he was on drums, I'm I was on guitars, and there was still a backing track, of course. And then Gunderslam came up for a couple songs. Ian Cowell came up for one song. Um, you know, right. it, as uh, as the, the dancing high rule herb, like it was. I just I said, hey, look, I'm doing a Zelda song, and you got to come on stage with a guitar, and you got to play with us in, in that outfit. He's like, it's like this isn't even a question, man. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but like even you know even like little things like that, it just makes it so much fun. It's, um, so you know that kind of comes to uh, I would say probably half the time I've been just by myself uh, with you know, completely with backing tracks, and then. Other times I'd be with somebody. Um, it may just be one other person. It could be an entire band. Um, but yeah, it's just, especially when I think about um, the Gunderslam set at MAGFest, like there were just certain things that happened at during that set that were, that I didn't anticipate. Um, sure. Like, it, it, number one is we had never played as a band before. That was right, our first right. <laughs> time playing together as a band. And like, even during rehearsal, I was like, this is going to work. And they're like, not only did it work, it was like, it was killer. Um. And I, we had gotten many comments about, I was like, you guys ever played together before? They're like, no, it's like, this, this was our first time on the stage together, like performing in front of an audience. And, um, but there is sometimes like, uh, you know, just having the crowd, like getting fired up and, uh, the Colossus roars happening and a mosh pit starting during, mm. um, Gunderslam's BFG song. It's, uh, I was like, oh man, like they're really into this. Like we must be doing something right. <laughs> uh, so that, that's the kind of magic that you cannot possibly capture when you're sitting alone in your studio recording something yeah i i think that interactivity comes across really well especially like when you're there but um you know in in the case of the jam space uh we went through crazy lengths because it was it was truly like working with the jam space staff and patrick and you know all of us kind of like contributing to make the show so we have board audio we have video which I, i'm at the current moment, trying to help find a little bit more, mm -hmm. but yeah, like it comes across for even people who are watching it no differently. I think when you watch a YouTube video of a concert, you can tell like there was some fun there and like some, some magic that, um, you know, it's just really unique that way. Um, do, how do you feel playing solo though? Um, cause I know you've done a little bit of guest stuff and band stuff, but when you yeah. like Magstock, for example, and yeah, I mean there there's pros and cons. Um one, it's it's ten it's easier in many respects. Like, you know, you only have to worry about you. Right. Um and you know, travel is and logistics are much easier when it's just you. The technical setup is much easier when it's just you. Right. Um, <laughs> but 
but then like you are lacking in other areas. Um, it, you have full band experience is just better from an audience perspective. Um, there's, you know, you talk about that interactivity. It's not just between the band and the audience. It's within the band. Like, you know, you, you're, you're feeding off the energy of everybody else. And that's, mm. um, you know, you know, even, you, you know, I, I referenced this in talking about the dancing mad cover where it's like, you have everybody on the same train. It's like, it's, it's really no different than when you have a band up there. Um, except that, you know, it's, it's real time <laughs> and sure. you, you're, you're really in that moment. And yeah, that's, that's something that you're just not going to have when you're performing on your own. Um, you know, in, in terms of like what my preference is, um, it, I guess it kind of mm. depends, but I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I'm leaning more towards with the, the playing with other people angle these days. I like it. And <laughs> yes. And I, and I'm spoiled because I, I, you know, I've had some really awesome experiences in the past year, um, playing mm. with Gunderslam and playing with Viking guitar and, um, and, yeah, I mean it's uh, it, it, I, that's that's kind of where I'm I'm gravitating towards these days, and you know I'm not, I'm not gonna turn down a solo show where I'm just playing to a backing track. Like if I could get something right. where I can kind of you know uh, perform my craft, then I'm gonna do it. No, I like that a lot, and you know I don't think a lot of people will end up feeling that way for whatever reason, of course. But uh, it's it's exciting, and I hope that you know you get those opportunities, or they're they're convenient enough to get because of course a lot of the reason why people do solo is like you said, convenience, um, you know, you don't have to have three, four five people fly into one spot for a con show or, um, you know, just like the setup and all. And actually just to go a little deeper, because this is something I want to know <laughs> as a recommendation, mm -hmm. um, how, what has been like your, your live kind of setup, uh, solo show or otherwise, like when you play with backtracks, Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, what are you I, rocking? We can, <laughs> yeah, we can we can really go deep here, and uh, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna toss some questions your way too. Sure, sure. <laughs> because like I feel this is this is the geek out segment. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's what this podcast really is. Because yeah, yeah, I want to know the details, and we're all kind of, uh, yeah, this is all practical info, right? Yeah, yeah. So last last year, um, for the I would say almost exclusively. It, all all in the box type stuff like i have a laptop with reaper on it the amp sims are uh, i use i i love uh, neural dsp's amp sims mm. um not not just for guitar but for bass and basically i would have a reaper project with my backing tracks in it but then uh amp, amp sims loaded and all the effects that i want are loaded and then i would just use automation within reaper to turn stuff on and off okay and so i'm not i'm not using a pedal board um at all like everything is in the box so all i take with me to a show is my laptop and an audio interface and then one or two guitars okay which uh, interface I'm, I'm not, do you uh pack just curious like a yeah i have, I have a for uh focus right 4i4 um okay, I'm, yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely into Focusrite stuff. I, I mean, uh, for for my my studio uh, PC, I have a I have a, an eighteen i twenty, but then obviously you know four i four is much smaller. It's more portable. Um, works super super well for for this exact use case. Um, however, with all that said, um, I bought a Helix two months ago, and I'm in the process. Mm. And actually, I spent a lot of time this morning. I'm in the process of transitioning um my my live setup to still use reaper okay but uh, but also use the helix for um for uh for for what i'm actually plugging my guitar into okay did you buy the and floor or the rack because the floor okay the floor. ah that makes sense yeah and i feel like this is kind of the right time to do it because i remember <clears throat> excuse me when i was at magstock i took this you know the exact setup i was just talking about just the laptop mm -hmm. that that's all i took with me and then, then eventually, like uh, on on one of the nights, there was like an impromptu jam session where, like, um, where Danimal Cannon and a few others they're they're just mm -hmm. playing by the pool, they're just jamming, and I'm just thinking to myself, it's like, huh, it, even if I wanted to go up there and jam with them, I don't have an amp, I don't have anything, right? So you know, at least if I had a Helix or or some kind of like some kind of a pedal board, then I can just plug it into, I could just plug it in, and I I, I could kind of jam along, so. Uh, that, that's, that was like one part where, or one time where I felt like, huh, you know, that's a real con to the setup that I have. It's like, I can't really, mm. I, I, I use it for a show, but that's really it. And then now, yeah. especially in situations, um, you know, you know, like when I played with Viking guitar at BitGen last year, um, that mm. was, I, I had, I had an, I've, I, I don't, that looks I so had like cool. the, I had. <laughs> Yeah, I had the precursor to the Helix, which is the uh, the HT Pod 500X, which right. works works fine. And so I took that with me. 
Um, but you know, we we weren't playing to backing tracks or a click. We weren't even playing to a click in that show, which wow. I thought was kind of which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, it was just yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and then it, it certainly helped to have Angel on drums because <laughs> he's like a freaking human metronome. Uh, so anyway, uh, that yeah, that's me. I want to hear what you use. Sure, what do you sure. use for what do you use for live? Well, it's funny because I do, I have literally not gotten any live gigs for solo playing since Con Bravo twenty eighteen. So that was my hmm. first. Um, I borrowed Little V Mills's uh, Helix Rack. Um, nice. Didn't really spend time tweaking. I personally never liked Line Six software for studio but when you're live i think all of it was way more intuitive and comfortable so that that was great <laughs> first show you know it's as awful as it can be but it was fun and then i've guested with um one band uh called Geminon at mag and that was a real amp and mm -hmm. uh mariachi entertainment system real amp acoustic guitar notes say and then when virtual shows hit i could just record um and I've had the Axifexes since 2016 or 17 mm -hmm. summer. So um, I, I basically streamed with everything Axifex 2. Uh, I, I got the 3 recently, but it's virtually – you know, it's like going from 99% perfect to 99.5% perfect for me. Um, and that was all good. And then um, – oh gosh, I'm trying to remember. So basically – this MAGFest was my probably first solo show uh, that I got to do where I needed an amp because um, last year at MAGFest was acoustic. Uh, so I brought my rack. I brought my Axe 3. Uh, Colby dude was using my Axe 2, which I have been meaning to sell. I don't really need two of them. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't think any human being on Earth does. But um, – yeah, so we ran through that, and then I just had uh, foot controllers for each, and it was insanely comfortable sounds because that's what I'm used to. I record a lot of music with the Axe effects. Um, I don't mm -hmm. go DI sometimes because I'm crazy like that, and I find it a little bit more old school. Um, and basically after this year, I was like, this rack is too big, even though the tone is all perfectly fine. And it's a little complex to like tweak uh, but because we tried to use it as a mixer and as you probably figured, and we've talked about, uh, during our show, we had, uh, we didn't spend enough time like prepping, but we were borrowing, uh, Gunderslam's rig yep. for in-ears and somehow our click tracks and backing tracks got desynced or like between the front of house and where we were on stage, like something wasn't right. So we basically messed up playing along to a lot of my very cue oriented music. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I can't say yet, but I am performing very soon somewhere else and I need to buy <laughs> a, a cheaper rig. So my hopes is to sell the aspects to ask all of my uh, fellow musicians and friends what they suggest and kind of find like a, a happy compromise to get, you know, clean lead rhythm and fly around. And I'm leaning towards Laptop, uh, one of my focus rates, I've got a 6i6 that's still kind of small. And like you said, uh, either automate to change tones with neural as a backup or, uh, you know, just, just buy one of these like Line 6 Helix Stomps. I think that's one that I've seen around. They look really expensive for what they do. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's basically my, my plan for my solo rigs. Um, try to keep it simple likewise. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the other thing that, uh, that I really try to think about is, is this as streamlined as I can possibly get? Because mm. the more variables you add to the equation, like if, and especially if you have a single point of failure, then, mm -hmm. uh, you, you may end up in a situation where, um, where, you know, like, what if, what if your laptop like breaks or blue exactly. Like I've, 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 I've been paranoid about that. So what I do is, I take the entire, and this is, of course, if I'm doing a solo show, but mm -hmm. um, I take the entire um, backing track and I just, I just render it down into a single MP3 and I put it on my phone. And then I bring yes. a cable, like I bring a Thunderbolt cable just so I can plug it into a mixer if I really have to. Um, that's that's mm. my backup. Yeah, that would be my backup if I didn't have a if I didn't have a laptop. And then, right. um, and and then I would. And that and I would also ask is like, hey, you got like a backline amp or something that I could plug into, like if my laptop doesn't work. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm always paranoid about that stuff. And, sure. Uh, yeah, you know, I think about it's like now, now that's the. But then again, you know, we're talking about, uh, or I was talking about like using the Helix. Like I'm splitting, I'm basically splitting the setup into two, which 
has pros mm-hmm. and cons, but then you're also kind of el- you're not eliminating, but you're reducing that single point of failure again. So, um, and yeah, but then the only thing I haven't really considered is like, well, uh, what if I have to fly somewhere and I got to take this yes. helix with me? <laughs> like, oh yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. Like, how am I going to do that? So yeah, I'll figure that mm. one out eventually. So it seems like you've been lucky that there's a lot of like local music area, you know, for you to, you know, jump in on rather than yeah. having to just fly. How's that been though? Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, I'm going to try not to rant here, but sure. uh, there, there, there's going to be a little bit of complaining. Um, so I, 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 it's really, I don't know how this happened or how it started, but D, the DC music scene, I, I live near Washington, DC. So, sure. um, so the DC music scene is considerably different than the Baltimore music scene. Like I feel ah, like DC, okay. the way, the way I summarize it is like DC is kind of like, Oh, Oh, you want to play at our venue? I was like, Oh, well, okay, well, like wh- what's your draw history? How many tickets have you sold? And then you, you have to like clear all, they, there's a lot of gatekeeping I feel. And then in Baltimore, it's like, oh, you want to play at our venue? Yeah, come on in. Like, nah. yeah, you, come, you, you can you come play at our place. And, and you know, it helps to have friends. I mean, you probably know this, but a lot of of, uh, of our VGM friends are up in the Baltimore area. And yes. that's kind of, that's almost like ground zero, which is, all, I mean, that's also where MAGFest is based out mm-hmm. of. So that's not surprising. Um, but yeah, I would say most, most of the places uh, that I've played at that are quote unquote local, like Baltimore is a bit of a drive, but it's not bad. Um, mm. it, it has, has, has been, has been up there. Uh, I've, I have tried very hard to, uh, I, there was, there was one venue I was like trying to play at and like, I had a whole build together and I, our schedule was tight and I was like, Hey, here's what we can do. It's like this video game music thing. We thought, I mean, they seemed open to it, but then, then they started getting into their gatekeeping questions. I was like, all right, I've had, enough uh, of this. <laughs> I, as someone who's like currently trying to make you know, heads or tails of the scene around me in North Carolina, you know, it's, it starts to seem that way. Like when you're in the video game space and everyone's just that everyone gets it, you know, then, then it's much easier, but you know, to see things like quick save and like a lot of local orchestras that you're able to be near or even Magfest and mag stock and, um, you know, BitGen, I believe was also in that general area. Like it's, yep. it's really nice that, there is something or the other, you know, at the same time, I'm sure someone listening in that region might find it like difficult to break in. But, um, you know, I didn't play live anything basically until <laughs> very recently um, or, you know, hopping on to other bands. So it's kind of nice to see how how you've been able to, you know, play along with different acts and stuff. And hopefully that continues, you know, and I don't know. It's like a four-hour drive for me, but I, mm. I I'll have to see more of these shows that are happening around there. Yeah, I feel like too that the Midwest is starting to kind of grow as far as VGM yeah. is concerned. Like obviously VGM Con's there, that's coming up, and yeah, then uh, the Midwest. Yeah, and then the Midwest Gaming Classic and. Uh, oh wait, is it the yeah? Is it the Midwest or Milwaukee? I think it's the Midwest. Midwest in Milwaukee, like yeah. In I, Milwaukee, yes. I've been made so, like, aware that's, of that. That's one. coming up too. Um, I don't yeah, know if you can yeah. share yet if you're going to any conventions, but you know, as we're wrapping up, I'd love to know like if you're confirmed to play or at least going to any conventions, you know, this year. Yeah, uh, well, there's there's usually always something in the works. Um, I, one thing I, I will say is uh, I am I'm definitely going to VGM Con. Okay, uh, me cannot, too. <laughs> Okay, awesome. Cannot confirm whether I'm performing. Um, Me too. That, that that yeah, same. <laughs> uh, but I will definitely be there. That that is that is a that is a done deal. Like I am going no matter what because mm-hmm. I went last year and absolutely. Lo- I mean, I mean, I performed there last year. But even if I mm-hmm. didn't perform, uh, I, I recommend it to everybody. I, I, I'm not That's sure awesome. how easy it is for everybody to get up there, but VGMCon is amazing. I love it, and it's almost it almost feels like the yin and yang of Magfest. Like Magfest is great. I, I I've been to so many and love it but then uh, there's there's a lot of ground to cover and it's it's huge and vgm con is a is a smaller tighter um type of thing it's it, it almost i mean like the vgm community is like a family and it is it, it, <laughs> it really felt like that at vgm con it's like everybody knew everybody and even if you didn't like that it was easy to meet people because you were just so you were just kind of in everybody's orbit because it's just a smaller event um so right. so yeah i i i uh I, th- those are the two um yeah, VGM Con's definitely on my radar. Uh, I, I usually never mi- miss BitGen because mm-hmm. it, it's it's set, you know local, semi-local, whatever. Um, uh, 
yeah, M- MGC uh, unknown at this point. I'm I'm trying, but um, yeah, don't don't know about that one. Right, right. Um, unfortunately, Magstock is not happening for me this year. I I have mm. a a com- I have a commitment that weekend, and yeah, I, I recommend Magstock to people, but um, it's not ideal to get there. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Right. That's uh, <laughs> I was speaking to Alan uh, about that, and he was like, "It's super close to me," but I was like, "Can I fly there? Uh, is it quick to drive there?" Yeah. And um, you know, fair enough. If it, if it's convenient, you know, I say that to everybody who's trying to get to a con. <laughs> if it's convenient, go. If it's not, you know, I people understand. But um, I'm, yeah, I, I think the the move there is if you if if you were if you or anybody were serious about it, is like and you and you had to fly, you fly into Baltimore, but right. then like get, get get a friend to pick you up or something <laughs> to t- to take <laughs> right. you the rest of the way. Who also happens to be going. Mm-hmm. Um, e- even then, it's not a short drive. Like from that airport, it's like. Probably an hour and a half. So Luckily, uh, anyway, yeah, with VGM Con, of course, uh, in Minneapolis, I believe from what I've told, it's it's you can fly and get there. So yes, uh, both Allison and I will be going. Um, we're excited again. Like I've been to nine Magfests, and it's a phenomenal, humongous con. But every time I go to a different con with friends, you know, from the VGM scene, is it's much less chaotic and. Uh, you know, I'm excited to see a place that's purely dedicated to the one thing we do, right? Um, exactly. And I'm sure they've got, like, a huge lineup of shows going on and things to do. And I, I've never been to Minneapolis. My hope is to, like, eat whatever local food is there that I've never gotten to do. I've only flown mm-hmm. through Minneapolis. But that's going to be awesome. Um, and, of course, to tie it, everything back again, uh, I've got a give you a uh, plug time because we're we're just about at our hour mark so uh yeah yeah is there anything exciting that you'd like to share uh exclusive game grooves uncovered um for the year or anything coming up uh i guess two things um one is the details are still being worked out but the uh mm. the game grooves co-op album challenge uh when mm. when Al- when alan posted that i was like huh I, you know i said to myself i was like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna release any anything this year i need, i want to take a break and really focus on live playing and then he posted that i was like okay he's challenging me isn't he <laughs> mm. uh, so i said to myself i'm gonna do that so so i, I won't say what it like i really can't say what it is because i haven't really landed the the full idea yet mm-hmm. but i am going to be collaborating um, with, with some folks on, on doing something for that. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm super excited. Um, yeah, there's definitely some, some initial moves that are being made. Mm. Uh, and luckily we've got the whole year. So at least I don't feel like I'm super pressured to, to, right. um, <laughs> uh, to, to rush on that thing. But yeah, mm-hmm. there's, there's definitely some things, uh, coming together there, but the, uh, I'd say the most immediate thing that I can say that is a hundred percent confirmed is, uh, and I need to look at my calendar just to make sure I got this right. But <laughs> I will be playing, uh, I will be playing a show in uh, at a record store called International Groove Rec- Records in Newark, Delaware. Wow. Um, and that I believe is on March 18th, and I am just confirming that. Yes, it is on Saturday, March 18th. And so, if any any wow. listeners are out there are in uh, you know Delaware, uh, basically the tri-state area, you know Jersey, um, uh, Philadelphia, that kind of immediate area. Um, hopefully, you'll come out and see us. And when I say us, uh, I'm talking about I'm talking about Game Grooves, uh, not Game Grooves. Quick Save <laughs> I had uh, some wires crossed there. Uh, mm-hmm. Quick Save will be there, of course. Like we we tend to be uh, our two acts tend to be tied together at the hip. But one thing I'm super super excited about is um, a a bassist in uh, who who who. Uh, he and I had just recently become friends. Uh, his name is Ahmed Muntasir, and I may be butchering his name, Ahmed. If you're listening to this, I hope I didn't butcher it. Um, he is a he's a killer bassist in a a Bangladeshi rock band, and cool. um, they, they're awesome. And he is an awesome bassist. And he said to me a few weeks ago, "Hey, I really, I really, want, I'm trying to like." play with more people this year you got anything going on i was like well it just so happens that i got something you want to play bass and he was he's in um so i'm super excited to play with him uh i've actually been kind of chasing him for like four years (laughs) (laughs) so uh, i feel i feel super lucky to to to, to be able to play a show with him and i i think that's going to be a really awesome show not just because of who's you know those of us who are going to be um performing and representing the vgm community but uh it's you know it being a record store it's a it's going to be smaller um, but I think that's a little bit more of an intimate mm-hmm. venue is, um, is, is something that, uh, is going to help balance out, uh, some of the larger stuff. <laughs> no, I'd like to think uh, so. 
That's cool. Yeah, and even then, like, I, I mean, you know, again, I, I told you I was messing with my Helix this morning. Like, I, I was starting to mess with all the tech that I'm going to use for that act. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be able to do something. I'll be able to experiment with some things um, that I would normally not be able to do um, in a in a larger venue. Like, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to do all my stuff in stereo. Like, that, oh, that's probably cool. that's probably not a good idea for a, for a larger stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this one, you know, it, it's a smaller one. It's like, OK, like we can they're, they're, it'll, it'll be relatively centered where the audience is is like let's do everything in stereo so i think that'll be kind of cool and um i've been geeking out over that <laughs> that's really exciting i'm, I'm sure how about you a good chore uh for me oh my gosh well uh i will say of course game groups uncovered will be doing its best to keep up with as usual uh cool folks with very specific exciting events or uh topics to chat about and uh you know like a you know, VGM con is going to be happening. I'm going to be doing my best to play more live. Uh, I'm working on something local from North Carolina that, uh, is extremely recent, but, uh, I'm hoping to find a few more VGM or Nerdcore acts in our area. So if you are listening to Game Grooves Uncovered and you know of any great bands or groups, please feel free to message me or, uh, chat in the discord that we have. And otherwise I'm working on two albums, one of which I've confirmed is the Game Raga first album, Sitarcraft. So, not, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I think I know where that's going. That is that is awesome. I love it. Yeah, I'm excited. It's uh, it's going to be mostly uh, complete re-recordings of every song I've done that's remotely either like classical Indian or Bollywood fusiony, uh, and then like the more I listen to it, it's just a metal album with with yeah. a lot of sitars and breaks. Um, but I'm very excited to share that, and that I'm working on a really big redo project um that hopefully will come out by may and besides that again uh last year i didn't really collaborate much or get involved with communities as much i blame being distracted with uh getting married and all that so (laughs) and uh so I'm, i'm working my way to come back uh you mentioned the game grooves uh album challenge and i'm involving myself in that uh in in different ways <laughs> so i'm going to be yeah. doing my best there and hopefully maybe making more uh more uh video production stuff i'm editing for a certain uh fire emblem voice actor quite a bit so um you know <laughs> not awesome not a dull day but it's been really cool talking to you about oh everything. wait 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 i i have to tell you your videos are killer i love your videos oh, they're, thanks they're dude. very well done if you ever drive down here we will we can make something really cool because hell yeah i'm i'm being too lazy filming myself and i really want to get back in that but thank you so much um and again it was it was awesome to see you at magfest to share the stage with you at magfest at midnight <laughs> as we were deliriously fiddling with axe effects and even better it's uh it was great to talk to you uh where can people find modate and yourself and keep up yeah i'd say the best uh easiest place to find me most likely is on bandcamp mon.bandcamp.com or you can just type in mon on spotify i don't think i'm the first hit but uh i am somewhat up there um yeah, there's some imposters uh, out there but uh yeah those are the those are probably the <laughs> yeah those are the, those are the two easiest places to find me um and you can find me also on twitter uh at mon plays music Awesome, awesome. Well, everyone check out Mode 8. It slaps, it's heavy, it's exciting, and it's a, it's a really great love letter to the Super Nintendo, which is one of the best consoles we have ever had for game music. So thanks again, Mon, for chatting with me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, and until next time, this has been Game Groove's Uncovered Podcast. Thanks, bro.